0: Welcome to the Nasred Podcast, or Nasred Talks About Movies, a place where movies are discussed. Friends, today, on our special 20th episode of the podcast, we are going to be having a discussion with Dave Zamet, who is a producer and also a dear, dear friend. For anyone who is interested in not just the art, but the business of making films, I promise this talk is going to be quite illuminating. Dave has served as producer on many films and projects, and we discussed two films in particular that he worked on. If you really want to get the most of this conversation, I highly recommend seeing the two Films we discuss, both of which played in cinemas and are now available on all on-demand platforms like iTunes and Amazon. The first film is a western called Echoes of War, which was released in May of 2015 and was directed by Kane Senes and stars James Badge Dale, Ethan Embry, and William Forsythe. The other film is The Pretty One, which was released in 2013 and was directed by Jeanne Lamarck, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and stars Zoe Kazan, Jake Johnson, and Ron Livingston. I do hope this chat gives you a peek behind the curtain of what a producer does in this day and age, from production to taking the film to the market. Dave is one cool cat, and I really hope you dig and get a lot out of my conversation with not just a dear friend, but an amazing producer and mind when it comes to making these beautiful, glorious things we call movies. Enjoy. All right, so Dave. um, Hello, Mr. Zamet. Thank you for coming to my podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Producer extraordinaire, Dave (laughs) Zamet. But Dave, one thing that I just wanted to really just start off with this. Several years ago, you and I, we were going to our spot, Z Garden, the Mediterranean food place, and you had a script called The Relative Stranger, I believe it was called at the time. And you were... In the pro- you, you had this script and it seemed like you really liked it and you wanted to make it and now this script is called Echoes of War and it's available on demand and it showed in theaters how did you go from a producer with a script which I hear is like the first thing that a producer should do is you know get the script how did you go from having the script that you loved and having a finished product on demand and all that stuff
1: well, it's a, uh, it's a variety of things that you have to do in order to make a film. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the number one thing is you need to have a team mm-hmm. and we were fortunate enough to put together a good team of producers and, uh, we had a director already involved and you know, that director came with some, uh, financing, not all of it, but mm-hmm. a, a bit of it. And that helped us start to go out and, uh, make offers to cast and we had a casting director named Emily Schweber, who's a fantastic casting director. Mm-hmm. She's done a ton of independent film. And uh, that's that's how we got the ball rolling, and it uh-huh. kind of snowballs from there.
0: What were the challenges shooting a Western today? And, mm-hmm. you know, like, with, with you know, si-
1: production situation. What, what, what did it look like? What is it? Well, it was kind of pre-decided when I came on board that we were shooting the film in Austin, Texas. Uh-huh. And I kind of questioned that at first because I was like, well, why Austin? But... The director had a particular affinity for a particular location in uh, Austin and so I was told at the time that it was a free location yeah uh, I was and I, I responded with there's no such thing as a free location <laughs> um, and turned out that that yeah. location was no longer available yeah, yeah, yeah. but we were already in Austin at the time when uh, we figured that out so um, with regards to shooting a Western the hardest part was actually finding a location because uh, there's quite a different... There's not a lot of those homes left. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of that, like, wide open country left. Right, right. Um, with regards to being period. There's tons of country, but... Right. You know, they all have modern homes and yeah. modern equipment and all, you know, stuff all over it. So, we were really fortunate to find a... Actually, a, mu- a historical site. It's a museum in Austin that um, we got relatively cheaply. Um, and uh, it served a lot of the the film i mean literally probably 90 percent of that film is shot on that one place oh
0: yeah yeah and how did you score william foresight because he's a heavy like he's <laughs> you know like he's one of those actors that you know like he's a tough guy he's
1: honestly that 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 role for randolph was one of the most challenging roles to cast we must have made i don't know 10 to 12 offers on it oh, yeah. and it's a tough it's a tough place for uh an older actor like william forsyth or mm-hmm. anyone of that kind of um you know caliber right right uh, the director really wanted a, an actor named stacy keach oh yeah, yeah i know that. and um stacy keach i mean you're not getting him out of bed for probably under a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yeah we just didn't have that kind of money right right uh so we we went to William and it was a bit of a negotiation. He initially turned the part down and then we kind of we didn't up the offer, but he had some some script changes that he wanted to uh to to discuss and mm-hmm. we were lucky that his manager was uh, actually a friend of the production and uh convinced him with us to do it and we made some changes for him and uh that's how we oh, got yeah. him
0: so he was he was cool to work with like he's he he brings a oh, lot to-
1: he was a great guy yeah um you know he lives in the east coast i think he's kind of a hermit now yeah uh, overall fantastic guy
0: what's funny is like he was in the devil's rejects which is a movie i love (laughs) and uh on the commentary rob zombie was like yeah you get william talking about these pretty boy actors and you know like he's one of these actors that just looks like he's lived a life and he he's not a pretty boy he has like a rough face and you know like he's a really cool you know thing what did you guys shoot on
1: we shot on 35 mil. Really? Uh, yeah, we shot that, 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 that film on film, and I think we all kind of realized that that opportunity to shoot on 35 mil was uh, going away. Yeah. Um, and it was a pain, to be honest with you, really? because we didn't have the budget to do it. Uh, we were shooting, uh, I think we were shooting 2 Perf, and we were shooting short ends from uh-huh. uh, Inherent Vice. So we basically got inherent vices film stock. Whoa! And uh, we had it all shipped from L.A. to Austin, uh, and we were just we just made it work. Okay. So without
0: getting like so, who was it that was pushing thirty five mm Who was it that really was it the director? Or?
1: The director was certainly pushing it, and uh, one of the other producers uh, was also pushing. Oh yeah, it pretty and heavily for film.
0: W- what was your stance? You know,
1: well, my stance was like I want to do it because I like I said previously that um you know it was probably the last chance we were going to get to do mm-hmm. that not that it's a dead art or yeah like no no, that. no but, but I feel but, like. but 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 you know it's just with digital today it's it's just so much easier yeah and it's so much more you know accessible yeah to yeah. shoot it on video why would you do this to yourself right and honestly we ran into that situation i mean we were running out of film, and we were like, "Shit, what are we gonna do?" So,
0: like, your takes are what, like, three to one or something? Like,
1: I honestly don't remember yeah. what, the, what, the, <laughs> yeah. what, the, what the shooting ratio was, but it was certainly less than we could do. Yeah, on video. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Film scares me, you know. Like, it it it's scary coming <laughs> up when I did, and you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's
1: it's scary because you're you're right. I mean, it's uh, it's a <laughs> It's funny. It's, it's it, people think of it as such a temperamental uh, medium, right? But it's really actually quite durable. I mean, they've been using film stock for a hundred years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so uh, it actually was quite. Um, what's the word? Undurable. Yeah. And uh, we were shooting in Texas heat, and so that actually helped us because you know these new digital cameras. They tend to, to 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 do poorly in the heat. And right. The film was like, well, I don't care. Yeah. Man. It's, this is just
0: this is just hot. But what what time of year were you shooting? We
1: were shooting in the worst time to shoot in Texas, which was. Uh Late August, early September. That's
0: when they shot Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was and brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So everybody's sweating and, you know, just, just... Literally
1: sweating. Everyone looked at us and said, why are you shooting right now? This is the worst time to I shoot. Know. And we were like, this is when we have the actor. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. so was there a part of you that, you know, at the beginning... Because it seems like you were also on board with the 35mm. Was there a part of you at the beginning that was kind of like, you know... Yeah, we could shoot digital. It wouldn't, you know... Like, did you push for that, too? Or you, um, you just went with the flow? And...
1: Um, I didn't really have, like, a big... I mean, I had shot 35 before. Um, while my first at, Claire? My first Claire yeah, yeah, and yeah. another couple of other things that I had done at AFI uh-huh. um, had been done on 35, so it didn't, like, intimidate me right? Um, as if it was potentially my first thing to ever work with 35 yeah. on. But, you know, at the end of the day, as the producer... I don't have to deal with the film stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. have to deal with the cameras and like making sure that it's all working correctly. Like that's not my job. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. job is to hire somebody who understands how to use it. Right. Um, my biggest concern, and I hate to sound like the producer, was just: Are we going to have enough money to to finish this movie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it, our margins were so tight.
0: Yeah. So was there a time when it was looking pretty iffy? Like
1: you want to hear an inside story? Please. Okay. So we were shooting a night scene um, in the film, and it's Ethan Embry, and he comes out, and it's after the traps from the McCluskeys have been left at the house. Yeah, and uh, Ethan was, and hopefully Ethan, uh, if he hears this, doesn't get upset. But Ethan was, you know, in, in 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 you know, in character, and he was he was upset, and it's a traumatic scene, mm-hmm. um, and he. And because we were already we were like week two, and we were already like worried about the, the the fact that we were shooting more than we were supposed to, yeah. The the director decided to roll the camera and call action simultaneously, uh-huh. which essentially makes sense because you're burning less film, right? Because right. you know once it starts clicking, yeah, um, it's running, yeah. and so you're losing footage just by saying, "All right, camera ready," you know, yeah. Um, And so he did that and the take was fucked and Ethan comes out and he's just like, you can't do that to me. I need a moment. Um, And uh, Kane was like, oh shit, like he knows what I'm doing here. And then, you know, there was a little bit of like, if you couldn't, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said like, if you couldn't afford to shoot film, then you shouldn't have done it. And I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "Fuck!" He's totally right. Wait. So
0: then, in a situation like that, you as the producer, somebody's upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you do? You just kind of like, okay, just just vent, and and it'll b- boil over or something, or do you do you kind of try to intervene? What do you do?
1: Uh, for me, on that particular situation, I kind of just let Ethan kind of blow blow it off yeah, because yeah. he he's a really uh, passionate actor, yeah, yeah. and um, he really takes his craft very seriously yeah. and. You know, he's done so much work. I mean, right. He's been working since he was a child. And so.
0: It's like when everything is. I
1: can't massage somebody who has like years and yeah. hours of more experience yeah. than I do. All I can do is try to manage the situation and. Get yeah. the, make sure we get that scene and wrap for yeah. the night and hopefully it cools off
0: when I watched the film it got me thinking of like the, the, the westerns that are coming out now and it made me think of this phrase and then I googled it and I saw no, there was no google hits on this for, a millennial western mm-hmm. which is what I think you know echoes of war is yep and it you know i think of other westerns that are coming out like django is a big one and yep. magnificent seven and stuff yep. like that uh what do you know what movies uh the director was kind of like what, what were what were his jams for this uh particular film
1: um did you
0: ever talk about it or? yeah
1: of course we talked about it um, um it's years ago now so i'm trying to remember what a, what are the big references were for him i mean <laughs>
0: Like Terrence Malick. I, I, I would so.
1: agree with you 100 percent that um, millennial Western is certainly what we were going for. Yeah, we yeah, were yeah. trying to talk about, um, you know, the inequities of of the world today. And mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. we've seen it kind of showcased in this election with regards to, you know, the poor people kind of get screwed. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so Terrence Malick was certainly one of them. Tree of Life had just come out, and you can see a lot of malicky type shots. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of Herzog, Herzog, a little yeah. bit, and shame uh, by. Um, oh right! By uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Because like, love- the cowboy with the kid. He, no, no shame. Not shame. Oh, shame, shame. shame. The the only, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, don't worry. He's a sex addict. Yeah. Yes. Um. There was some like, omaji stuff, and you know, I mean, the the DP's lookbook was full of modern stuff. Oh, it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't like a, a lookbook of you know old Western right, type right, right, Film. So, so we were trying t- very hard to keep it current with regards to the style oh yeah so uh,
0: back to 35 millimeter so like let's say just the simple thing of like shooting at night Mm -hmm. or shooting outside Mm -hmm. i imagine you know because i just did something with rick for my dad i'll show it to you after we do this uh with the with his alexa it was a dream he just pointed shot we barely need needed any lights or anything but with 35 millimeter you have to do a bunch of alchemy and magic right (laughs) just to get the the image
1: well i don't know about alchemy and magic i mean 35 mil is very good with low light. I'm not, like I said, I'm not an expert on film stars. But you've been in
0: the trenches with it. I've been in
1: the trenches, and I know we had to um, definitely bring out some big guns to, uh, when I say big guns, I mean light. Yeah, yeah. To to make sure we have the look we were looking to achieve. But um, I never heard Wes, who is the cinematographer, Wes Cardino, never heard him say, like, you know, I'm worried this isn't gonna look right, oh yeah, so we shot a lot of night stuff, but we did have a fair we did have a pretty decent lighting package and uh West did his best to oh, make yeah. it look looking look at have you
0: ever had it with thirty five millimeter where you get the footage and it just doesn't look like the way you guys thought it would or
1: yeah, on a thesis film we did in uh at a f i we shot thirty five mil it's called the movie it was called this is not an umbrella yeah uh-huh. and um the DP was trying to shoot like basically full exposure to zero exposure. Right, like, right, right, It was like complete dark and complete light in the yeah, same frame. Yeah, and um, the uh, I
0: kind of remember this one. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: about a group of people who.
0: It was in the west. Some live of. in
1: some live in the west. Or yeah. Some live in the shade and some live in the the sunlight. Right, right, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: yeah I remember that. Strange, yeah. strange film. Yeah, it was cool. It looked cool. It yeah. was
1: it was a cool film and um, made by a, a French. uh belgish belgian french director named zoe uh zoe and the dp was Valentin Uh vignette and uh but when we got the footage uh it just there was something about it that just didn't look right and we had to correct the hell out of it to make (laughs) it look right
0: right how did uh echoes of war the script sort of reach you like how did you come across it? Um,
1: <clears throat> I was actually on a film in, in New York for our mutual friend Aaron Godfrey oh, right, right. and yeah. uh, he'll be here soon <laughs> <laughs> and he uh he I was working on this movie that Aaron wanted us to make and it sadly didn't work but in the process of that uh, another person had reached out to me and said they had this movie mm-hmm. and they had some money and and they told me a little bit about it and i said look i'm not a western guy and probably not the right fit for me yeah and he said well you should just read it and i was like well I like i said like i am really not a western type <laughs> yeah. person yeah and so he was like we'll just read it and so that movie the movie in new york collapsed um and so i got home and i was kind of sitting around i was like well fuck it, i'll just read this yeah script. and i read it and i was like wow this is a actually powerful script yeah, yeah and yeah. uh i really like the themes here yeah Um, and so thematically for me as a, as a producer, what I'm looking for is, you know, scripts that, that are set in fictional territory in fictional worlds, but have kind of a social message underneath them. Right. And for me, that script really spoke to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if we necessarily achieved that in the, I think finished product, but. Uh, that's what that's what spoke to me on the script. Yeah, volume. if I can say, I enjoyed the movie. I, I
0: I watched it, Thanks. and it's always fun watching like a movie that somebody like a friend worked on mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did think it was very good, and one of the things that I really liked about it is that today if you're gonna do a western there's a lot of annoying moves you can make and sure. stuff and it didn't make any of those sure. like it sort of kept it at this realistic pitch you know what i mean because you know me i love qt and stuff and i love it when he does his thing but when other people try to do his thing it's it's annoying and you know like and i'm j- i i liked it because it was like this very you know again like terrence Malicky sort of warner herzog sort of you know like they felt like real people it, they didn't feel like theatrical constructs or something you know
1: Well, I think we're you know QT is so good is that he can he can suspend you in a in a in in tension for a long time. Yeah, it's just an explosion of things. You know, just watching the Hateful Eight. Yeah, and you know there's so much. It's it's in a room. Yeah, and they're just talking and you know you're like nothing is happening. really. you know like he's just playing with you. Mm -hmm, But the mm -hmm. the characters are so interesting and they're doing weird shit. You're willing to go with it. Yeah. Yeah, um, so. You know, I don't know where that leaves us with regards to the film, but I appreciate you saying that.
0: Well, I love the film and I highly recommend it to my listener friends. And, you <laughs> know, like the first time you see William Forsythe is really powerful, kind of, you know. Yeah, he's doing this. great. Stuff. Yeah, he was really great. Now, let's go to The Pretty One. Okay. The Pretty One is a film that you produced. Uh, it, it was produced in... Two, it, it did the festival 2013 and then it came out 2014. I saw it last night. I really, really loved it. Thanks. I really, really enjoyed it and stuff. How did that come into your world. And how did you jump on that?
1: Well, um, I went to school with a producer named, uh, Steven Berger Mm -hmm. and, um, he and I would, had been working on a variety of things. Um, and he, it was actually his script and he brought it to me. Um, and he had been developing it, and uh, they were really close to production. And he asked me to come on board and help mm-hmm. make it.
0: Oh yeah. And what was the production? Where did you guys shoot that? Here, right?
1: Shot mostly in uh, mostly in Los Angeles, and some in um, just outside of Los Angeles, oh, a yeah. little town called Piru. Oh
0: yeah. The thing that I liked about it is that when you have a like a a, a scenario or a, a, a situation. That's pretty, like, basically, the movie is about a a girl that assumes the identity of her deceased twin sister and stuff. And I was watching it. And at the beginning, it's very cutesy. It's very, like, you know, like, it's quirky and it's fun. And, you know, she's basically molesting a kid at the beginning and stuff like that. But um, I'm joking. But (laughs) she is, kind of. But anyway, uh, I should edit that out. But
1: uh, no, 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 I mean, I think she's a desperate character who's looking for to to, uh, to have this experience. Yeah, that feels, yeah. That she feels like it's been delayed.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Is that like, for instance, I saw a film that like our, another mutual friend worked on, Lucas Lee Graham, who was in here, mm-hmm. uh, called. He he did a little bit on it, and then he did uh, the guy second or second movie. Uh, right, right. The uh, one with Goobler. Yeah, uh, yeah. excision and, and that. There's a genre of horror films that I like, which I call the weird girl movies, where it's about a weird girl. Yeah, that makes sense for you. Yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, watching The the Pretty One, I was like, this could easily be a thriller or or a horror movie or something like that. And uh, I have to say, like, at the beginning, it's very cutesy and very, like... But then once the twin dies it does like I admit it like I admit when I tear up and move I teared up a couple times in the pretty one like both funeral scenes I teared up and it's a very emotional kind of thing and you know it is something that I want to show my mom and stuff like that just because it's like it's a good movie it's a good solid movie and uh what I want to ask is with this the new market VOD and this and that like how do you you know uh, distribute like where where does the new market sort of leave a guy like you a independent producer and you know
1: i was waiting for this question um <laughs> look i'm not gonna lie to you i was on the phone the other day with a uh sales agent and uh we were talking through the market and you know on a very top level very like kind of yeah quick quick conversation but It's awful right now, to be honest with you. I mean, it's it's a really difficult marketplace. And I think the key for me as a producer and for anyone is to really focus your film with regards to who is the audience you're making Mm -hmm, this for. mm -hmm. And because I just don't think in the United States specifically, I don't want to speak for the rest of the world. I think that we we, we kind of thought maybe us growing up, we look at people like Linklater and Kevin Smith and those kind of directors who you know kind of went out and made their films and and they had widespread success Mm -hmm. Um, I think the marketplace at that point was quite a bit different and I also think that um, directors nowadays don't have that kind of luxury of, I don't want to say directors should like edit themselves but the problem is, is there's t- so many directors. And I think they looked at the Kevin Smith and they're like, he did it. Well, I can do it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, yes, but. The uh, market's different. The market is different. Yeah. You have far more material out there in the market because there's so many more Kevin Smiths out there. Right. There's so many more screens to, to, to fill content on. And it's like, yes, the, the 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 market has been democratized, but at the same time, it's like. Also, everything's worth less. Yeah, yeah, Because there's so much media. Out there,
0: there's though. just a bunch of shit out there. I mean, I not, I not not shit. I don't mean shit. Like, yeah, yeah. I, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. A bunch of content. Like, I was just, like, you know, on iTunes, and there's, like, a bunch of movies that I've never heard of, and it, I guess it's making a product that people care about, and making something that cuts you apart from everybody else. I don't know. Well, the know? hard
1: part is, is, like, you look at an iTunes, and you say, like, look, I'm an independent filmmaker. I can put my movie up there, and it, you know, it can... Do as well as it, it does, you know, on right. its own merits. And, you know, really good movies will do really well because yeah. they're really effing good. Yeah. But if you make a, um, let's just say, an okay movie, mm-hmm. um, the problem becomes, who's your market? Yeah. Uh, there's so many just okay movies out there. Yeah, yeah. And who wants to watch an okay movie? Right, like exactly. Your, your day's already taken up. Like yeah. You want to watch something that, like, is really great. And yeah. How do you know something's really great? Through word of mouth, Right. right. And so, it's just a chain of things that need to happen right in order for your movie to be successful. Right. Tell
0: me about... Going back to Echoes of War, and then this will lead into Pretty One again, mm-hmm. but tell me about the festival experience for those two films. Did you have a... Uh...
1: Yeah, so tr- so Pretty One went to Tribeca and had a really good oh, opening. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it was really well received, and there's something I want to add about the Pretty One that I, I didn't realize when we were making it, and I realized when I watched the film, it's mm-hmm. just the amount of work that Zoe... Zoe Kazan. Who She's
0: amazing a, in it. The
1: amount of work that she had to do in that film um, during production, I don't think we really... Um, I, I know the director did, and I know Steven did, but I don't think that the rest of the crew really realized like, how intensive that was going to yeah, be, yeah, yeah, especially when she was doing the twinning stuff, because right. we had to shoot every scene twice.
0: Well, there's that one scene at the beginning where they kind of touch yeah, hands, and yeah. it's like that kind of trick photography yeah. and stuff, but it is at some point you kind of i mean a little bit before she passes you kind of forget about it right you know what i mean like and you but know
1: she, she had to shoot everything from two different characters perspective and yeah. i mean just the just the, that kind of work was super intense yeah, she had yeah. to do a full makeover because it wasn't like oh um, the i'm trying to remember the character's name in the movie uh, Audrey Laurel, Laurel and, and Audrey. yeah i mean One character looks significantly different than the other one. You know, we had a giant wig and she was totally dressed down and the other one was super polished. So she had to like do a full change. Right,
0: right. um, And they are two distinctly different people yeah exactly like, you know and she does it really yeah. really well she's a really good actress yeah she's fantastic yeah. and she's
1: i mean she's done a ton of stuff yeah that movie. isn't um, she like
0: hollywood royalty like she's yeah her, dad's yeah, Ili- her grandfather's Eli Ili- Ili- oh, yeah. kazan yeah. and
1: her mom's a famous screenwriter oh, and her cool. dad's a screenwriter yeah.
0: but she's really good she was really good yeah. in the movie did she get and any her, like, her like sister's
1: a great actress too oh
0: yeah who's her sister
1: um i'm blanking on her it's another kazan but she's uh, she was on um that show that uh that was it each no it was a cinemax show um that um shoot this is bad this is bad podcast no 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 it's fine what's the one with clive uh clive owen um oh the nick he was she was on the nick. oh yeah
0: i haven't seen that but you said it was good
1: it was really good yeah. and she plays one of the characters on there but i mean she's so striking yeah. and so good in it
0: let me clarify this is great podcasting you're, you're giving me great <laughs> stuff good but um also what i wanted to ask uh i'm blanking um oh but let me just finish. yeah so on.
1: with regards to the uh the the echoes award that opened at the dallas film festival oh yeah yeah
0: and what was the what's the experience like like just
1: Uh, um i actually didn't make it to that one (laughs) because i was knee deep in a commercial at that time i my intention was to go but i think i was uh totally swamped with work Uh um i heard it went really well oh yeah but did you go for the pretty one i went for the pretty one how was that it was great i mean we're in new york we're in a great theater and uh the audience seemed really pleased with it did
0: did elliot did uh, zoe kazan get any like accolades or anything like any award or any anything don't for her i think so because it was like i don't know i mean acting seems like a really hard thing well and
1: I, I think that film was weird because it was super commercial mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know and sony picked it up and you know sony worldwide did it all over you know and it's a great distribution from if sony's coming through yeah, for yeah. you but I think that the issue was that it wasn't really a festival film mm-hmm. um, because it was so... I mean, it did a ton of festivals, but I just... It was an awards-worthy film, not because it wasn't good I and mean, because the acting wasn't fantastic. It's just, you know, you look at the Sundance films and you see that they're like... They've got a certain...
0: Like Moonlight. I just saw that yesterday. Yeah, they're
1: either like really serious social issue or right. they're like these kind of... I don't want to say experimental because they're not experimental, but they have a very particular... Mm-hmm. Um, storytelling yeah
0: but the thing that i liked about the pretty one is that like i will take any amount of cutesiness as long as the darkness in the story is kind of taken seriously sure and i liked that you did feel the weight of the siblings death and it was you know and then i i also i like the fact that what she's doing is completely wrong and and she, what she's doing is such a kind of unlikable thing yep. but you still like her yep. and you still kind of feel for her and you 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 feel bad for her and uh I like uh I like dorky girls that are you know like in sort of weird places and stuff well, like Well,
1: and that. Jake Johnson who plays He's he is, awesome he's amazing in that film. He is so d- funny and witty and
0: Yeah, one of the best things about the film is them two together. Yep. It's just you know.
1: And that's how their chemistry was offset too. I mean, oh, yeah. they were just really they just they just got along really well. They yeah. just seemed to they just seemed to, you know, be a good, really good casting yeah. match.
0: Yeah. The other th- the other guy that I really like and I always love it when I see him in stuff cuz he's been in a million things is The Father.
1: I, yeah, John Carlyle. Yeah, he's yeah. he's
0: been in everything. Like he was in Zodiac and Identity and
1: He's a he's a fantastic guy yeah. and he was a really good actor mm-hmm. and yeah, he's just he's just a superstar.
0: So, uh what's next for you?
1: Um, what's next for me is I've been trying to... Well, I as I, as every producer says, my next film is uh, one that's a Chinese film. Oh, no. uh, well, it's not Chinese per se. It's actually set in America. starts off in America and um, it's about a family that goes to China. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's a comedy. Um, and it, it kind of speaks to what I was talking to before is knowing your audience and knowing where your film is going to be... Sorry. It's okay. It's
0: Harrison it's, Ford. I've
1: listened to your podcast. I know, I, I know that the planes <laughs> yeah. are part of the... It's, it's uh, a part of the experience. It's a part of the experience. It's part of the ambiance. <laughs> but, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, so, uh, you know, what this film is kind of focused on more of my parents' age people. And, yeah. Um, obviously, China has a huge audience. And um, so, I'm trying to make a film that's a little more, uh, more audience-specific. Yeah. And... Um, we're in the process of that so nice
0: good news so tell me and you you touched on this but go when you're reading a script because mm-hmm. i want to know yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're reading a script what are you looking for i mean uh, you know like what what kind of things speak to you anything good story just
1: i mean good story a um you know i don't want to feel bored in the story yeah um i think everybody who reads a lot of scripts and i don't read as many scri- as scripts as most people but yeah. um You know, I think when you feel the script starting to fall Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. or the, you know, the, the intensity, you know, most scripts start off pretty intense right? uh, because the writer has been trained or the writer wants to grab you right away yeah, and that's great and you're like, okay, boom, and you run in and you're running and then you, uh, you start reading it and it's going to naturally slow down, but you, that's when like the story needs to come in, you know, and it's like, that's where I think things tend to fall apart is like, you're like, Okay, but you, you grabbed me and yeah, now you, yeah. you've you lost me because yeah, I don't yeah. feel like I understand the narrative thread that you're you're using your initial opening scene, yeah. this like shocking or really traumatic scene. Right. Um you're not using that
0: It's not a, pulling you. It's
1: not pulling you, it's not using that like a linchpin as you will to, to to keep you engaged. Yeah. Um and it's weird because it it always kind of happens this way, is that like, you know, the from page twenty to Forty-five or page fifty-five, you feel this lull, and it's yeah. you know this death, set in act death, yeah. second act death, I should say, <laughs> but um, and then the third act is usually really good because the person knows how to end. Yeah, it. yeah. And they're like, oh, I know the beginning, I know the end, but yeah. I know how the, fu- what the fuck the middle <laughs> yeah. is, and it's like, well, that's where your character is, man. Yeah. Have you ever
0: had uh like an artist or a writer like react badly to notes? Or, sure. Yeah. Sure. And how do you handle that? Like, do you just say like, look, dude.
1: Well, I think you know me well No, yeah. I'm I'm not the type of person who, like, I've, I've gotten better at it, but I'm not, like, a real sugarcoater. Yeah. Um, Which
0: is what I like about you. Thank Moldova. you. Yeah, I really do.
1: Um, some people don't like that. Some people, I got criticized last night for that. Um, <laughs> it's that I was being them. mean. That I was being mean. And it's like, no, I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest with yeah, you. Like, yeah, I didn't like what you did. But yeah. But I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was business related. It was business related. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just one of those things where you're like. I don't understand why this is so hard for you, for me to just tell you what I feel. Yeah, and I have to like couch it in all of these, you know, niceties to to make sure that your feelings aren't fucking hurt. Well, you fucking hurt my feelings, man. Like (laughs) I'm not a vindictive person, and I don't usually look to start it, but and I'm not even looking to finish it. But I'm gonna let you know. Yeah, you know what you did upset me. Yeah, and I'm responding in kind.
0: Right. Hey. I mean, dude, you're one of the like most mellow guys that I know. I can't imagine you like losing your shit. I don't
1: lose my shit. The thing is I'm just very direct. Yeah. And I yeah. just say, look, this is you know, this is why I'm not happy at the moment. Yeah. And yeah. you either you know, most people obfuscate and they go, Well, you know, and they make it fucking excuses and it's like the rare person that goes, You know what you're right. Yeah. Or, 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 you know what, maybe I disagree with you, but this is why I disagree with you, and this is why I did what I did. Yeah. And, you know, you can have a conversation about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, most people just don't want conflict. Yeah. And it's fine. But, like, this business, this business of producing, and this business of filmmaking, unfortunately, like, yeah. the mass majority of it is conflict-based. Right. I mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah.
0: See, one of the reasons why I always like respected you as a producer and stuff was because, you know, one of my dad's customers, I mentioned him on the podcast, mm-hmm. but Ron Yerksa. yeah, you remind me of that kind of producer, not the vulgarian coke sniffing, sure, you know, sure, sure. vulgar guy that's just a pig. you You're intellectual. you read books, you you yeah. you do stuff like that and stuff. And I think you know there's there's hope in the world of producing as long as there's a guy like you that's kind of you know, I would rather take someone that's direct. As a producer, somebody, I don't like conflict in my life, but I'll deal with it if whatever I'm making or so something or something. But I would rather have someone like you that's direct and doesn't bullshit than somebody that is like the image of, hey, baby, you're great. Hey, you know, like, or whatever. I, I'm lucky enough to have not really met those kind of people or, you know, I don't give them too much. Well, I know? think
1: what's interesting is, you know, working in commercials, which is, I do a lot of commercials, mm-hmm. um... And I say this with, I basically was told um, that I needed to uh, do yeah. exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Like, be the, the sugarcoater, I guess, <laughs> yeah. if you will. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah, what else yeah. to call it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and I was like, well, that's just not the way I am. And, and the person was like, well, that's fine, Dave. But, like, the truth is, is, like, that's what our clients expect. Yeah. And when you put it like that, you're like... Okay, like they're paying for this, right? And if they're paying for me to be like that, fine, I'll be like
0: that. Yeah, yeah. like that's
1: fine. <laughs> so, like I don't care. Yeah, really, like I mean, I, I'm why fight? Why make it harder on myself? Yeah, I think you know my younger self, ten years ago, self probably would have been like, you know, screw no. it, I'm gonna be who I am. Yeah, but now i like, I'm like, wow. Well, so. You know, we as a producer, you have to wear a lot of different hats, yeah. and I think sometimes you have to be the sugarcoater, and sometimes you have to be the realist. I feel like in indie film, you have to be very real. Mm-hmm. Um, the writer I'm working with on the current project, I would said, "Look, man, I know you're looking for this thing to like take off immediately, yeah. but I'm telling you now." This is going to be a long haul. Yeah, and yeah. there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, yeah. and there's going to be backstabbing, yeah. and there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be all of this stuff, and we weren't even going to be on the movie. Yeah. This is just going to all be leading up to the movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and what what did he say to that? Like, was I mean,
1: it... he didn't really like that, that <laughs> much, but I was like, look, I don't want to like make you think in advance. Like I said, all this before we even entered into any agreement. I said, look, I don't want to make you think that this is going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know movies take years sometimes yeah, to get yeah, yeah, yeah. made, and I mean, I'm not saying anything nobody doesn't who's listening to your podcast doesn't already know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. I, I You know, as a producer, I think you're one of the best, just because you don't, you're not that guy. You're not... Well, I, I know a guy that knows a guy, and you know this guy, I'll tell you who he is, yeah. that knows a guy, and this guy sounds like the biggest scumbag, and he sounds like a guy that enjoys being the fake scumbag and stuff, and like, you know, like, and... You kind of know. I'll, I'll... Well,
1: I honestly believe that some people think that's that the, they want the Hollywood version of the producer. Yeah. And that's what they're looking for. Yeah. They want that guy who, you know, is walking the walk, talking the talk, and going to stick the knife in your back.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so you always got your head over your shoulder. You know, you're always looking over to make sure that knife's not coming down on you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and look, I've been on the receiving end of that. Right. Um, you know, an old partner of mine gave me the old
0: the shiv you know and
1: it's like it's just it's it's brutal yeah i mean it literally depressed me for like a year oh yeah um yeah because i felt like this was somebody i trusted somebody i you know wanted to be friends with at the very least and i just it was just all ruined yeah i i
0: feel like if i treat everyone good yeah as i go through this thing and i'm honest and sometimes I might have to, you know, I, I I I think I'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like I, I hope that like I don't know. You know what I mean? Like
1: Well I think that you A you're a creator. Yeah. So, you know, as long as you understand what you're doing with regards to what your where your work is going and where it's um, how it's going to be exploited, right. if you will. Yeah. Um, you're always going to be in a power position because you are a creator. Oh, cool. Um, you know, as a producer, you typically aren't the creator. Mm-hmm. Some some producers are. Um, so you you have more power because this is your material. And you right, You can right. say, yes, no, I don't want that. I don't yeah, want that. yeah. You know,
0: so. But I don't want to be the type of guy that goes up his own ass and doesn't listen to people and you know i don't know.
1: think that's who you are really cool no.
0: <laughs> yeah, no every
1: time you tell me your opinion of me i'm like oh wow i'm a good guy you know like but um isn't that so funny we're always trying to figure out like what other how other people are perceiving yeah, yeah it's always like this little testing thing like yeah does he think this of me yeah. does he think that of me yeah. it's like
0: but i mean honestly i've known you for seven years now yeah it's been, been, been? been it's been a while but like i'm pretty comfortable with how you know what i mean like you know someone for seven years they you know they know you and you know them sure and it's all good and there's no backstabbing ever going to go down between us sure
1: that's what what you hope
0: yeah no (laughs) i mean for sure i i i I treat people with honor and you know that kind of thing and you know stuff like that would you ever do a samurai movie
1: (laughs) if it was a really good story oh yeah is there any i don't you know people used to say that at film school at afi like Oh, hey, what kind of producer do you want to be? And I was like, I just want to make good shit. Yeah, like, I don't, yeah. I don't, why do I have to like pigeonhole myself by, like, oh, I'm only going to make this. I'm only going to make yeah, that. Yeah. Like, look, if you want to be in TV, I get it. Like, TV is its own whole thing. Right. But if you're like a film person, like, you should be just looking for the best story. Yeah, if you're a film yeah. Producer, you should be just looking for the best fucking yeah. stories. If that's a samurai movie, yeah. there's a new take on a samurai, hell yeah, I'm yeah, interested. Yeah. If it's, you know, whatever. Have you eyed television a little bit?
0: Like, or no, no.
1: Look, That's now, uh, the 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 word I don't know sh- anything really about television other than like it's a very insular system mm-hmm. and getting in there is a lot of, um, you really have to pay your dues. It's right. a very controlled atmosphere unless you're coming through like a big agency and you have an amazing idea for a show. It's yeah. a very difficult system to yeah. break into. You'd be better off trying to make webisodes and then getting that to yeah. to, to television. So
0: it's weird because. I hear, like, what you said earlier about there's just a glut of product. There's a bunch of stuff out there right now.
1: Glut of mediocre
0: product. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know. And you hear people saying, oh, cinema, it's, it's dead. It's dead. Do you agree or do you disagree? Because I look i i go on google i look for a good movie i tend to find exciting trailers and exciting things i don't think cinema is dead and i hate it when people say that but what do you think is do you think it's 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 metamorphosizing into something else and the with the market and the product and this and that how do you feel like
1: well i'm not an economist and uh, (laughs) i i honestly like like i should have i should get my economics degree so i can understand how this system how this business works because nobody seems to really know except for the people who do know and they're not telling anybody yeah, yeah. um do i think cinema is dead no it's obviously not dead people are still making movies right. and there's still film festivals and they're still you know you know Arrival just did i don't know hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars I yeah mean, so certainly it's not dead the form though of independent cinema i think is in a is in a weird state mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. I th- I think we let's throw the studio system out of this conversation because A I don't know shit about it yeah. and uh, they just play in a totally different ballpark right um, I think the form of independent cinema is in a s- is in a strange place because you look at a movie like um, oh what was that Hell or High Water right mm-hmm, that's a twelve million dollar film and actually Aaron Godfrey and I were having this conversation that's a that's a twelve million dollar movie with Jeff Bridges and yeah. and Chris Pine and Ben Foster. <laughs> And it was produced by CBS Films, and that's a fucking independent yeah, film. Yeah, that's yeah, an independent film. Right. Like, what makes that an independent film? Yeah. I mean, that's the highest gross in India of this year. Yeah. And it's a fantastic film. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I mean, do I think it's like mind blowing? Do I mm-hmm. think it's like something completely different? No, it's not. Yeah. But it's a fun movie, and the characters are interesting. It's and a good
0: solid genre. It's a solid genre yeah, film, yeah. you know?
1: But I mean, I was talking to a guy who I read his script, and you know, he was interested in having a relationship, and I said, well, what do you think? this movie yet you've written is going to cost. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't know. I'm thinking like two to 5 million. And I said, I said, you have a, basically an action film set in New York city. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no offense, man, but this is going to be more than 2 to $5 million. Yeah. I mean, look at Heller hard water. That was a, that was a, you know, a small movie, much smaller than this script, and it was shot for 12. Right. And in order to make a, tw- you know, a movie, of an action film in New York City, you're going to need a big name in order to get the money you're going to need just to make the movie. Right, right. And so, when you start undoing the, like, you know, start taking apart the elements of a script, uh-huh. you start to realize, like, okay, is this really possible? Yeah. And is this something somebody really wants to see? And I think that's the the, the thing where I'm saying, like, you need to target your audience. You need to know who your audience is, like, way before you're making the film. And I hate to sound so businessy about it, but I think if you want to have a career in this film business, you need to understand, like, where am I going to be able to market this film? Right, right. And and who are the audiences that are going to see this film? Yeah. And to be honest with you, like, the people our age, you know, the 30-year-olds, they're not going to the movies. They're just not. I mean, some are, like you are. Yeah. But I have a kid. I have a second one on the way. Oh, wow. Nice. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I don't know when I was in the theater last time. Not because I don't want to go, but because I don't have the fucking time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I have no kids, so I have nothing but time. You well, know right. what? I mean?
1: And I mean, you, for somebody like you, you're gonna always see movies. Yeah. And I watch movies all the time. Yeah. But I'm just like watching them on Showtime. Yeah, I'm Watching yeah, yeah. Them on HBO, no. and I'm catching them late. And like you know, it sucks because I, I don't. You know, people are talking about films. I'm like, I haven't seen. I haven't mm. seen Moonlight yet. I want to see that movie. Yeah. I wanna it, see it was him. really. Yeah. I good. know. Everyone yeah. says it's amazing. <laughs> um.
0: It was good. It blindsided me. I didn't know it was going to be about what it was. I don't know what about. It's about. Oh, so the, don't the, tell. Just me. going clean. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. It was such a great movie. I've
1: heard it's fantastic, and I and um. I think the problem is, is that filmmakers today um, are making films for people in their age group, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to tell the stories of their age group. Right. That age group, unfortunately, is <laughs> they not... They don't give a shit. No, it's not that they don't give a shit. They want to, but they're just, they're just busy, man. They've yeah. got careers, they've got wives, they've got kids. Yeah, and got...
0: then in terms of content, there's a million things that yeah. want their attention.
1: And it's so much more accessible to turn on, you know, we're watching right now, we're, what were we watching? We're watching Westworld. Oh, yeah, yeah and and um my wife and I and you know it's great and you know I can turn it on it's right there yeah and I have a I have an uh, ongoing relationship with these characters yeah, yeah, yeah. did you get through it are you done um I think I have like 20 minutes left in the last episode oh I, well, all right <laughs> <laughs> so um, but last long long story short is I think that the real issue is is just if you're and I hate to tell people to write scripts based on their audience they're trying to target because right. that's not the way. You should tell stories. Yeah, but I... uh, Sorry, go ahead. No, but that... Unfortunately, I think that's... If you want to have a career as a producer, as a director, as a writer, Mm -hmm, you need to understand like, okay, who am I writing for? And why is this different than everything else? Right.
0: I mean, I used to think... It's good hearing you say this because I used to think whenever I write something, I always think of the production, of like, what is it going to be like to shoot this? What, what what are the logistics of whatever? And I used to think, oh, that really holds me back when I'm writing, you know, because I, I just can't go nuts or anything, you know? Like like this past summer, I wrote a novel just so I could, you know, let my mind go free. Do you think as a writer, as, as somebody that's like writing a script, you you, you have to constantly consider the budget and, and and sort of, at what point do you let yourself go free? And then at what point do you... You know,
1: well, I think it's once again it kind of comes back to like, is this a movie that you're going to be directing? Right. Um, is this a movie that you're going to want to like make on an independent level? Mm-hmm. If this is a movie that you're saying like, hey, I'm not looking to make this movie. I'm looking to 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 get this movie made by a studio. Right. Then then no, you shouldn't allow yourself to be you know have any borders because you're. You, you, those studios, those people, they don't want that, they don't want scale down, they want it bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. you need to write in a way that they can be like, Okay, I can see this. This is big, this is right. huge. We're gonna spend a hundred million dollars on it because that's what the studios do now. They, yeah, they just open up the floodgates and they let the money run out. Yeah, but they're, they're just making less of them.
0: Well, these trailers look like a million, billion, trillion dollars. I'm sure they are, it's ridiculous. I'm sure they <laughs> are,
1: but I mean, they have so much invested in the success of their films. That they have no choice but to spend money on the marketing, right? And that's the big rub here is that, you know, as filmmakers spend less on their movies to make them, um, let's say you make a two hundred thousand dollar movie, you have no actors in it. What do you really expect of a, of a distributor to sp- to spend on marketing your film? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to spend anything, yeah, because no. they they're not going to be able to market it, and that's the thing that a lot of filmmakers don't understand. Is like, and I've had to learn it the hard way, is that. Even if you have William Forsythe or you have Zoe Kazan or you have, you know, we we have, you know, uh, Matthew Gay Gubler and a movie that isn't coming out yet. Right. But um, who, who's who got a huge following? Yeah, yeah. But the the thing is, is like, if you don't spend the money to get the, the, the movie to be, you know, above above the mm-hmm. fray, mm-hmm. the distributor is certainly not going to. They want to be able to just go into the markets and sell it. Right. And and And, and, and Mick their profit,
0: yeah yeah one thing that i've seen on facebook lately a lot and it's like a sponsored ad is distribute your own film yeah digital and yeah. this and that what do you know of that like
1: like i said before like i think if you understand what your audience is for your film from a marketing level mm-hmm. i think it's a good way to go yeah because you know the 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 age of advances on your films are, are slow is actually probably not that slowly there's it's dead or dying yeah um on, on life support. Um so I think filmmakers sorry I'm bumping the No line. no let's go. Cool. I think filmmakers uh filmmakers need to know how to do this on their own. And right. um business business sense with regards to like being a filmmaker has gotta be something yeah. that filmmakers are l- learning and knowing because the days I think for you know filmmakers to rely on their agents and their sales agents and their all these people to take care of them, Mm -hmm. at least in my experience, that hasn't been the case. Right. Even for people who are, like, high up in agencies, like, they're not... It's not that the agencies don't want you to be successful. They certainly do. Yeah. It's just that it's an encumbered business.
0: Yeah. When you're on set and you see, like... I imagine, like, you know, these younger film school guys, like, doing PA stuff and Mm -hmm. stuff. What do you... Do you notice anything about the younger generation of kids that, you know, have gone out of film school and... So
1: you're saying I'm not the younger generation? No,
0: I mean, we're... (laughs) We are. But, like, you know, like, I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to the Brett Easton Ellis podcast. And he was saying that he was doing a web series and that he has this, like, assistant who's, like, this young kid out of film, like, just out of film school. And he said that most of the kids his age, like, he was like, oh, I don't want to make movies. I just want to make content. It's Just content. And it's like, I feel like, are we the last generation that know it as cinema and to everybody else it's just content and something that you could cut
1: a meme with you know like you know what i mean i mean it might be i don't know i mean i've been out of film school f- well you know for seven years now i mean i think the thing is is it's that you know when i see this not and i understand it it's like i want to make a living making things right yeah i yeah. want to make it living as a as a director or as a producer mm-hmm. and when you say content you're like, look, maybe we can't tell long form stories anymore. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think people still have a hunger for that. Yeah. I just think that I mean, people listen to an hour podcast. Yeah. But I think the issue is is that if you want to make a living as a any of these things, you have to be able to to be flexible and just say content. And content encompasses features, mm-hmm. but it also encompasses commercials and it, com- it encompasses webs- web series and podcasts right. and all yeah, these things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Telling stories is telling stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So And that's
0: never going to go away, you think?
1: You know, I, I don't think the so. The demand yeah. for 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 content is at its highest ever been. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these companies are trying to figure out how do we tell stories, Um, you know, in the new world, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the new digital world. Yeah. So, no, I certainly don't think that's going away. I just, the, the art of cinema... Is certainly in it's in a weird spot
0: yeah here's a weird uh, question tell me the difference between the shooting of let's say echoes of war with an arabic music video like w- w- g- give me some adventures in arabic music because i know you produced a few of them right one one, one? how one. was it
1: uh <laughs> surreal yeah uh, horses horses helicopters traveling to wild areas of california to film oh, yeah. horses running free yeah i mean <laughs> that one was totally off the cuff i mean that one was totally just uh, that specific music video which was bizarre and i appreciate yusuf who brought me onto it yeah um it was just it was like look we're just capturing beauty and yeah. so there was no plan i mean you're making making a feature film everything is planned down to you know, the minute, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, um, Whereas with that, it was like, he didn't want to shoot because the light was bad. Um, uh-huh. You know, and on a feature, you're like, well, I'm sorry, man, but we don't have the time yeah. to, like, wait for the light to get right. Yeah. We don't have Terrence Malik money here. <laughs> on,
0: the, on the Arabic music video, which was a couple years ago, right? Uh, like, it was a while ago. Yeah. So what did you guys shoot on? Just curious. Oh,
1: man. I think we shot on the Alexas, the, the first Alexas. um and we had every single lens from oh, a yeah. uh, lens house called Claremont Camera.
0: Oh, yeah, one of the other—it fi- was a short film that you did. It was, I believe it was an AFI thesis film, My First Claire. Yeah. You shot that in upstate New York, right? No,
1: that nope. was shot in Playa—not uh, Playa, Playa Del Rey, but uh, what's yeah, Playa Del oh, yeah. and and uh, Ventura. It, when
0: you're you know doing your thing now. Uh, what are the what's a big thing that you take from AFI from your education at AFI? Because I'll tell you, working on Aaron Godfords from Little Blue Pill that yeah. you produced yeah. really made me feel like wow, this is what like a real set feels like. Yeah. And I honestly felt like after the experience, I was like, wow, I feel like I went to AFI. <laughs> you know, so how you know how was it? I had Lucas in here and you he was talking.
1: The, you just don't have the student loans. That yeah, out. yeah,
0: yeah. I'm thankful for that.
1: You should be. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that was a microcosm set. I mean, that was a very independent movie. Um, what did I learn from AFI? If anything. Well, I definitely learned things. I mean, AFI was fantastic. I yeah. Mean, I, like I said before, like I wish I didn't have the bill for it. But uh, mm-hmm. the biggest thing I learned at AFI was, um, well, I had a great mentor named Marie Canton. She just taught me. The basically the the nuts and bolts of making something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean you learned that in the first year, but the second year was specifically and really thinking it's really, you know, uh intensely and, and 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 analyzing how to make your film, mm-hmm. like what the best way is and really freeing your mind. It was like a it was like a, a a roadblock that was like, oh we can't do this and it's like, yeah you can. Right. But you need to really think through your your real plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was able to enlighten me with regards to how that happens. Oh, Yeah, that's cool. Do you yeah. still like keep in touch? Yeah, and, sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, she's great. She's you know she's a big wig at the DGA and she's a, she's a fantastic. Yeah, nice. So Dave, person. let's say there's
0: a kid mm-hmm. and he's looking at you and he says, "I want to do what this guy does. Mm-hmm. I like his I, I like his life." Mm-hmm. What what advice do you give this kid? He's twelve years old. You know,
1: marry a lawyer. <laughs> okay, cool, kid. <laughs> marry a lawyer. I mean, I don't know if I would do it the way I did it uh, again because I feel like what I did was uh, I did a documentary just off the bat and uh, produced a documentary, and I spent two years making that documentary. Um, I, I remember this. Yeah, it was an immigration documentary. Yeah, the yeah First yeah. thing I ever did. And, uh, Without Borders? Or? Beyond Borders. Beyond Borders, yeah. yeah. And um, then I went to AFI and mm-hmm. then I went out and made some stuff. And
0: oh, so you made the documentary before AFI?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Um, so. You know, there is something to be said about the, like, the apprentice apprenticeship nature of this business, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. going in house somewhere and, like, meeting people and, like, building those connections. Right. Um, the way I did it was kind of outside the system and, I don't know, it certainly seems like that might be a better way to go just because you, this is such an insular business yeah, that yeah. you, you get to meet a ton of people, yeah. um, on your way up or right. around yeah. or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Um, so, that, that I might... That I might tell the 12-year-old, like, you know, it might suck for a year or two while you're, you know, interning or you're being an assistant to somebody, but you're going to learn so much. And it's not even the people you're going to, the things you're going to learn, it's the people you're going to meet. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm one of the luckiest guys in the world because of Little Blue Pill. Because I got to meet you. Oh, thanks, man. And Aaron and all those people. And is there anything else you'd like to add, Dave? This was, this was an awesome session. I feel like whoever's listening gets, gets like a... (laughs) you know
1: an inside look
0: an inside look at the thing of a producer because i mean again there's like so much bullshit attached to that word producer like yeah. that that's not really what it is I, if you really look at I, the well, job
1: I, I think the one thing that i wouldn't like to say is just um with regards to a producer like everybody some a lot of people ask me like, what does the producer actually do and it's like the producer is doing all of the things that Everybody who has a very specific job mm-hmm. isn't doing. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, you know, most people think like, Oh, you get the money. It's like, yeah, you get the money. Yeah. But you also make sure that the script is shot. Right. You also make sure that the film has distribution. You also make sure that the director feels comfortable and that the casting choices are reflective. Right. You're like the you're trying to be the audience before the audience. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what I would say with regards to like those people who are listening are like, Well, what does the producer actually do? Yeah. yeah. It's just an education as to this is what we're trying to do is try to make something that like you're gonna like
0: yeah, yeah. question have you gotten any screeners uh, this year or uh, when does yet, that start
1: not yet um, that starts now I mean people have screeners I do have one actually what
0: is it is there anything bigger?
1: It was a Susan Sarandon film, but I haven't looked at it yet. See,
0: like this year, I want to catch all the Oscar bait movies. That's why I went to see Moonlight because mm-hmm. I, I want to catch them. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to form an opinion, and so I really want to see La La Land.
1: Yeah, but, um, my a guy that I worked with who you should get on your podcast. Who? Oh yeah, he's the uh, art director from Blade Runner. Oh nice. Um, he was just at La La Land, and he said uh, he said it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah.
0: One one thing I will say about Moonlight that goes into the pretty one. I saw it yesterday at like a 140 showing. It's a really great film. Again, a beautiful film, very heavy. It's not a light film. And I was so like, when I was driving home, I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch The Pretty One. Like, you know, like, (laughs) just just something light. Cause just from the picture on the iTunes, it looks like something, even though it does, again, total props to The Pretty One. It's It has heavy content, and it's deep, and it's something that I feel like anybody can really enjoy, but it's so pleasant and so nice, yeah, and uh, I, I really liked it yeah, and stuff. It's,
1: it's an upbeat film. Yeah. It's what? It's like an upbeat.
0: Yeah, yeah, up- yeah. It's upbeat, but, you know, I feel like people, like the audience for that movie, they're not stupid people. Like, they, they, they want something that's cute, but they also want something that they can... You know, you take... The her home with you after you see it, and
1: that's a credit to the director Janae, yeah, Lamarck, who's just a fantastic director, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really great storyteller. And yeah. she just, I mean, she literally, from the moment that film started rolling, she knew what she wanted, she really pushed hard. It's clear, like, yeah, it, and yeah, she has a very specific style that comes through, and um you know so the director of that film really did a fantastic
0: job when the story really kicks in I was like wow this is good on so many levels because it's so interesting like you know you imagine like what what would I do at my own funeral I'd probably yell at everybody too but anyway thank thank you Dave (laughs) thank you this was awesome yeah boom fist bump Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Nasred. Follow me on Instagram at Mr. Nasred. Email me at podcast at gmail.com and visit me at nasred.com for all of your Nasred needs. And please do like, share, and subscribe on iTunes and leave me a beautiful review. Goodbye, friends.